And I feel like Adam Sandler's holiday is the 2020 vacation bop. (laughs) (laughs) Holiday. It would be so nice. (laughs) Uh, Well then, all right. So... (gasps) <laughs> so Degrassi? Eh? 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 Yeah. Let's go there. <laughs> and, and now, <laughs> it goes there. Um uh okay, are we ready for me to do the thing? Of course. Uh, yeah. Please. I was pulling up my little script because I still don't have it fucking memorized. Um <clears throat> go right ahead, Tiffany. Thank you. I appreciate your permission. Hi, y'all. Welcome to That Bleeping Podcast, a podcast where in four academics who love television, recap, analyze, and love and hate on all things popular culture. Right now, we're working our way through Degrassi, The Next Generation, taking them two episodes at a time. So today we're covering episodes 311 and 312, which is a two-parter called, is it just called Holiday? (laughs) Holiday. Uh, what, oh no! What is it called? What is it called? It's called Holiday. It's that's called why Holiday. It's named after the song. That's why we were singing it. Okay. Well, that's yeah. I, I asked and I didn't hear anything because I'm not looking at you at the moment. Anyway, before we start, <laughs> spoiler alert! Full spoilers as we recap the week's episodes. Uh, and sailor alert. We don't watch our mouths. I'm Tiffany Salter. I'm a professor of, right now I'm a professor of uh, film studies um, and also uh, Asian American and Pacific Islander literature. Um, But I also teach stuff on sci-fi, cartoons, and other nerdy things. I'm Jacinta Anders. I'm an assistant professor of English. I uh, study television, film, and pop culture, um, teach classes in those areas in addition to writing, literature, digital media, etc. I'm Sonic Gabbard. I'm a professor in the Department of Women's and Gender Studies, and I also teach um, peace and conflict studies, transnational sexuality studies, etc. at DePaul University. Um, and I am a longtime, longtime Degrassi stan. I'm Brendan Shaw. I'm a professor of English in the Humanities Department at Central State University. I teach uh, freshman composition as well as African-American literature and gender and sexuality studies courses. Um, And just as a reminder, all the episodes we're talking about are for free on YouTube uh, with a few ads, unless you have that YouTube premium. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to be recapping Holiday. Thanks for getting that stuck in my head. (laughs) Holiday part one and two. So this is Degrassi's Christmas episode. And this is, there's really no A or B plots. I think there's just two 
sort of equally balanced plots that we're following in this two-parter. Um, so the episode starts with a Christmas tree trimming party uh, that is being held at Joey's house. And at that party, we see sort of several couples. We see Joey, who is being very close with Sydney. Sydney is sort of micromanaging the whole Christmas tree trimming situation. Um, but Joey sort of says this is the best Christmas ever, essentially, and it's because of Sydney. Um, we also see Spike and Snake, and they're sort of celebrating just Christmas. Um, also, we see Craig and Ashley, who are being very cuddly and Christmassy. And then we have Caitlin, who is there as the sort of perpetual third wheel. Um, so basically, at the party, a couple things are established. One is that uh, Caitlin is going to be spending Christmas alone. Uh, she's going to do a spa. She's kind of being a Scrooge. Um, the other thing is that um, the thing between Craig and Manny is still happening. So during the party, the phone rings. It's Manny. She tells Craig she misses him. Uh, he does a passable job of not giving away that she's the one on the phone um, and then goes back to Ashley. So that sort of establishes our two situations. Um, as the episode goes on, um, Sydney fixes a dress for Angie, um, Joey's younger daughter, to perform at a Christmas pageant. Um, so she makes her a really nice dress, but she can't actually go to the pageant, which we discover is on ice, which was kind of a surprise for me. Um, so it's a Christmas pageant on ice. Joey and Craig are there, and also Caitlin comes. Yeah. Sydney can't come because of work. Um, Craig is taking pictures, and then we discover that Manny is also there because she is the teacher of the class of younger children that are performing in this pageant. And Craig goes backstage afterwards and ha has a kiss with Manny that Spinner sees. And Spinner says, oh man, you're such a stud. Um, and Spinner and Craig have a conversation about how Craig is a stud for being with two girls, one who is fine like champagne and one who is hot but also cute like ice cream um it's a very strange conversation i'm sure we'll talk about um in the other plot we have this sort of situation with caitlin as a career woman um and yeah so basically over the course of this first episode caitlin keeps showing up at joey's house and sydney starts to cotton on to the fact that there are still feelings between Joey and Caitlin. Um, and Sydney tries to head them off by first coming to Caitlin's work, giving her a poinsettia, sort of trying to have girl talk with her, but really she wants her to babysit Angie while Joey and uh, Sydney go on a date. Um, and that sets the scene for a sort of cute moment between uh, uh, Angie and Caitlin where they come home and the two come home from their date and the two are sleeping on the sofa. Joey thinks it's really sweet. Sydney is upset because Angie's wearing the dress she made for her and it's gotten messy. Um, and Sydney is clearly mad at Caitlin. Caitlin feels uncomfortable and she leaves. 
on the steps outside. Joey comes to apologize to her and they share a kiss. And that's how this first episode ends for these two. Meanwhile, um, for the actual children uh, or tweens, uh, Craig is trying to juggle Ashley and Manny. Manny sort of tries to make him make the choice. And um, over the course of this episode, and she says, she tells him she loves him at one point in tears. She says, you need to make a choice. Craig says he will. When he goes to Ashley to, to sort of break up with her at the Hanukkah party at her house, um, she gives him a guitar that was her grandfather's. And instead of breaking up with her, he accepts it and they share a kiss. Um, and ultimately the episode ends with Mandy confronting Craig at the dress rehearsal of the Christmas show that Ashley and Craig are performing in. And um, Manny sort of gives an ultimatum. Craig says he will break up with Ashley and that's sort of where the episode ends. Episode two of this two-parter begins with Craig and Spinner shopping. Craig is spending a lot of money to buy gifts for both Ashley and Manny. Um, at the same mall, there is a very strange scene in which uh, Spike has brought the baby, her new baby Jack to Santa for a picture with Santa. Somehow Caitlin knows where they are. She interrupts the picture and ends up being in it. Um, but she interrupts to tell Spike what happened between her and Joey that kissed. Spike says, write your feelings down in a letter. Caitlin says, sure, why not? And she writes a letter and then puts it in through the mail slot in Joey's apartment and then immediately regrets it and decides the best way to get it is to climb in through the kitchen window and she gets stuck. And of course, this is when Sydney and Joey come home. They help her out of the window. Sydney is basically like, has a one-on-one -on -one conversation with uh, mm -hmm. Caitlin where she's like, I understand you have feelings, you need to go. And Caitlin takes the letter as she leaves. Um, meanwhile, Craig is juggling these two women with this freezing cold garage, uh, which is apparently where he brings his ladies. Um, so we have first a scene where Craig and Ashley are in the garage. Craig goes to make her some hot cocoa. Ashley sees the gifts, um, which include a charm bracelet with roller skates or ice skates on it, a very pink sweater, um, but also some other gifts that are more in Ashley's style. Um, at school, the kids all give Mr. Simpson an Elvis wig. Um, as a sort of cute, you lost all your hair Christmas present. He's very touched. Um, Craig at school gives Manny her presents. Manny says, you get me. And then things sort of come to a head at the Christmas show um, that Liberty is stage managing. Shout out to Liberty. Um, and we can talk more about that. But basically the climactic scene here is that for some reason, Manny is doing the makeup for everyone. And there's a scene where Manny is doing the makeup for Ashley. Ashley sees the charm bracelet that she knows Craig bought on Manny's hand. And the two girls have a conversation in which they come to understand that um, Manny believes that Craig has broken up with Ashley and they're just, going to perform in the show and then break up 
Ashley doesn't, of course, disabuses her of the situation. They're both upset at Craig. Ashley slaps Craig in the performance in front of everyone when he tries to sing their duet and walks away. Um, and Craig goes after her and is confronted by her and also by Manny, who's sort of spell over, like Manny's, the spell that has been cast over her by Craig is sort of broken. Um, and he basically tells her, tells him you're stupid and your lies are the reason you're in the situation. Joey goes after him <laughs> and they have a heart to heart, a sort of dad son heart to heart as much as he is the dad figure here where he says, you know, it's okay, you'll wait, work things out. And Craig turns things around and has said, well, okay, but basically everyone knows you have feelings for Caitlin. Um, and there's a discussion of the backstory from the original Degrassi about why Caitlin and Joey aren't together. So then at the end of the pageant, um, Joey basically tells Sydney, you know, I shouldn't be with you. Um, and Caitlin is getting on a jet to go away for the spa retreat. And so Joey and Kate and, oh my God, so many people, Joey and Craig and Angie run to the jet. He calls her on the cell phone. It's a movie magic moment. She gets off. Caitlin and Joey have a kiss. Craig watches like sadly, pensively of what he could have had. And that's how the episode ends. Dear Lord, there's so many people involved. <sighs> Did I list, miss yeah, anything? And, and also, I mean, I you wanted more adult stuff, so. <laughs> Does it more? No, I didn't. I think I wanted more adult stuff. I think Brendan said he was ambivalent about the adults. I said I don't care about them. Yes. Well, I think this episode sort of fleshes some of that out for you. Yes, I think you did a great job, Brendan, because even though the plots were relatively simple, it was definitely like, it reminded me of like a 50s sort of rom-com, mm -hmm. except then turns dark and dramatic and ends on a sour note. So you did a great job. It was like a nice little flow chart of all the different <laughs> relationship combinations. I mean, it's very much so... I think when I first watched it, it gave me Love Actually vibes and it comes out right before Love Actually, but it's in that genre of like rom-com, romance, Christmas movie, right down to the like, she's on a plane and we have to stop her, right? And by Definitely. the late 90s, early aughts, like someone can call someone or even, this is how like Friends ends, right? Someone's yeah. on a plane and someone... yeah. Jennifer Aniston. Somebody call it, somebody. Yep. <laughs> you guys, not to already bring it full circle, because I know we just started, but the wedding singer ends with a plane. Well, see, there you go. I mean, I'm, I will... I'm just like in 2020, you cannot do these plane things. Like no. you could not just go there <laughs> and like, stop a plane. There. Like it's not Maybe gonna a happen. private jet. But Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, so as much as I hate, not hate, I find the adult storylines a bit much. This one, I think, for me, is more interesting, partially because it just so clearly taps into all these, like, rom-com, dramedy of the late 90s, early aughts, lady tropes, right? 
I don't think it always is fair. I think Sydney gets this like villain edit, <laughs> use the word yeah. for reality TV. Like there's nothing redeeming about her as far as she's presented until the last conversation with her and Joey, where suddenly she's like a sympathetic character. But otherwise, like the show goes out of its way to kind of make her evil. At least that's how it feels. Like, I don't think she is necessarily evil, but it's like she's anal retentive. She's controlling. She's really mean to Caitlin. She uses Caitlin multiple times. There's this weird career woman versus career woman thing going on. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I I personally, especially in episode one, really appreciated Sydney's big Virgo energy. So I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, my my note at the beginning of that episode is Sydney has big Sydney vibes. And what I mean by that is I saw a lot of myself in her, which is both sort of like, I mean, I'm a Virgo, BT dubs, uh, which is sort of an indictment of myself, but I'm fine with that. But also like my mom, who is a cancer, used to be super controlling about decorating the Christmas tree. And so I was just like, this is... I this I know this. This is this feels very comfortable for me. Did you feel seen? I did. I was very seen. Yes. Sydney meant see, she's not evil, but she does stress me out. Like I I'm tired. Like leave us alone. Like she's okay, first of all, you and Caitlin are not friends. So how are you just going to roll up to her job and like exactly. make requests of oh the woman God. of the woman that you know has a spark with your boyfriend? What what is happening For real, here? Poinsettias <laughs> as gifts are rude <laughs> as fuck. Like that is that is straight up petty gifting. You only take a poinsettia to like your boss's holiday party. <laughs> like <laughs> you don't know them very well. Or if someone is in the hospital at the holiday season, you give them a poinsettia set it like there's and so like or you buy it to benefit like a children's like like oh our kids want to go to guam buy a princess oh, <laughs> that's a very specific reference but i understand what you're saying i will not buy um, colonialist poinsettias brendan fine the marching band needs new uniforms buy a poinsettia the um poinsettias also like she's irrational because like obviously if you make a child a piece of clothing they are not going to like keep it neat like that is not how children operate especially if they so, like it they wear it all the time like that thing is going to be right. wrecked i mean and it's, yeah. it's like a like a like a princess outfit not like your sunday church suit like she wants to play Right. I don't know. I feel like I had a lot of um, women, people in my life that would have not only yelled at me, but like really whooped me for wearing my costumes uh, when I was doing clay parties. Well, then maybe Sydney shouldn't have used someone to be her babysitter. I'm sorry. Also, Angie's not 12. I mean, she's, she's, not, she's a young kid. It's barely messed up. It's not like you're going to wear that hundreds of times. Because here's here's the other thing. she, Well, at this point, she's already worn it for the skating thing. So, like, was it just supposed to hang up in the closet and be pretty? Is that what it was 
supposed to do? Until she grows out of it. I mean, because by the time she would use it again for some holiday thing, she would be too big for it. Like, that's why you just let kids wear the fucking thing until it's, like, covered in chocolate and dirt and whatever else. (laughs) Here's a thought, though. What if Sydney put in all that energy? Because let's be real. She's got a seven-year plan. Future future baby, baby of Joey and Sydney, their spawn, Sid spawn would wear that outfit. So maybe she's thinking about the long game with the Well, okay. I'm not defending it. I'm just Yeah, I mean trying to rationalize. To that note, I loved at the very end of the second part where like uh Sydney's like I need this and then it's a very long pause before she says because I love you and I'm like girlfriend you're not convincing me you just like you need this because it fits into your plan and you don't want to readjust your plan and so to justify that you're going to say because I love you I I I actually I, you know I felt that on a serious level like also when she said that she's put a lot of work into this I was like Girl, how many women in their mid-30s who put up with fucking straight men have said that to themselves? <laughs> I put a lot of work into you, Joey, and you're just throwing it in my face. Well, this is just a warning to not put a lot of fucking work into some dude until he puts a lot of work into it as well. Which, Joey, clearly, I mean, like, like let's talk about Joey setting up a nice dinner and then going into the garage to like, butt into his like, <laughs> like, band practice. Like clearly Joey is not as invested in this as Sydney. And so like, I, like, I don't know, like Sydney does get the villain edit for sure in this, but I like, I also feel for her, but also like there were warning signs. I mean, we do have the weird, Right, so the reason that Caitlin is babysitting is so that they can go to Sydney's work party, right? And so we do have this conversation that is about that work party where Joey doesn't feel like he fits in, which is interesting. I mean, what's interesting is that the whole episode is like two versions of the working woman. Like, it's like simultaneously wants Sydney to be working too much because she works all the time, but also that's Caitlin's problem too, right? Like, so it's this weird, I don't know, because there's also a very weird conversation where when we find out that Sydney can't go to Angie's pageant, Joey is like kind of pressuring her. Like, and it's hard to tell. On the one hand, it's kind of gross. On the other hand, it's like, Sydney is the one who keeps being like, I want to be the new mom. So it's hard to know. I didn't love Joey, but also Sydney does have this plan where she's like, I am the mother, which I think. So I think that one of the interesting things here for me was the class difference or or like there, like Joey feels uncomfortable at that office party because like everyone's in like suits and it's like a much different kind of like work atmosphere like like Sydney and Caitlin are both working women but it's a very different like work environment like Caitlin is like working in a newsroom and like you know we kind of understand that she just worked her way up and so like there's a way in which like Joey the car salesman like is going to feel more comfortable in a room full of like self-made people versus like 
Sydney's office environment where like clearly everyone like it, I don't know it just it read differently class wise for me I also think it's something like Caitlin is like she is a working woman but she's like she's like Emma she's the cause girl so she's like in her capacity as a reporter is like a person of the people whereas like that is not implied in sydney's job whatever sydney's job is in an office somewhere (laughs) something tells me she's in pr i just get it i was thinking lawyer or pr or something marketing yeah it's a there's also like language about caitlin right the episode towards the end of the first episode they start talking about how she's impulsive and I was like is she impulsive I was like I don't like there's all this like wow Caitlin you're so wild and impulsive and I was like is she because if she has the most watched show in this version of Canada and she's very successful I don't think she's impulsive I think she's just the odd woman out you ever got stuck in a window trying to get a letter? Okay, that part is dumb. <laughs> but everything, I mean, but that's the kind of bullshit that always, like, they always have women do in romantic comedies where it's like, wow, this woman, you know, works on Wall Street. Everything works great, but she can't figure out how to get that letter back. Right. And that's, it felt very like, I was like, is this a sitcom when she got stuck in the window? I just, the impulsive thing. I guess it's supposed to contrast her with Sydney's like sort of over the top controlling thing. But yeah, it's such a strange and like we spend so much time on it. And I guess maybe it's perhaps partly supposed to be a mirror for Craig and that drama. It is. And it's also, like we talked about before, for people who watch the original series and sort of continuing on that thread. Because Joey and Caitlin were like one of the primary couples of that show. And as Joey talked about, they broke up because he cheated on her, which was in the finale movie of that series. And that's how they their relationship ended. So I think this is also just sort of bringing that full circle. There is a way too that even with, even as goofy and rom-commy as it is, they are still handling things better than Craig is. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> like, they're acting like adults. Well, first of all, Craig is a disaster. <laughs> and then his disaster is compounded by getting advice from Spinner, who is the only person possibly worse here at handling this situation oh than Craig. Yeah, as we've said before, spinners should never give advice to the other. Well, players. and haven't it's they awful. all? Haven't they all Always learned awful. by now that they shouldn't listen to Spinner? It's like, true. I mean, I mean, by the grace of God, he is a girlfriend, but like, he is not set up to give anyone any kind of advice. You would think, and yet here we are continuing down this road. To be fair, again, <laughs> because I wrote in my notes, Craig and Manny were not being stealthy. So, like, if you're making out in public, it literally anybody could have seen you. It just happened to be Spinner, who was the terrible person. <laughs> Spinner has now gotten tr- Craig in trouble with both 
Ashley and Manny, <laughs> like yep. <laughs> independently and together. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was one of the things I was thinking about with all of this is with the PDA, Manny's doing it clearly. I mean, Manny is smart. She's doing it intentionally. Craig is really stupid. But then also, I kind of feel like Craig wants to get caught. I don't know. I had this feeling like because he cannot take agency over any of his decisions. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I feel, and that's that fucking white boy, like straight man, like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm so ambivalent about everything. I just, it, life happens to me. You know what I'm saying? Well, and also he seems to like whichever one he's with at the time. So if somebody else could make that decision for him, it would just resolve his problem. Just to, to go back to also Spinner's advice. I actually was like, I, when I was watching it, I thought like his, his advice is actually, his logic is sound in terms of, you know, teenagers needing to date lots of people and try people on. It's just why then not be polyamorous or why do you have to be in an LTR, Craig? Like, don't just date, date around, date both of these women, tell them about it. Like, be like get their consent you know yeah i think that type of relationship only happens um on uh shows where they are at least in college so i don't think we're gonna get that here. yeah i think i mean spinner is too invested in possession i don't i think as kind as your reading is He's really like, you need to choose the hot, you need to try both hot ladies. I don't, I, I, I don't know <laughs> if I, I buy that reading. He's like, try on both hot ladies, be a stud, fuck shit up, don't care about their feelings, all for yourself. I'm going to describe them as food and things you drink. Like, blah. Oh, blah. I agree. I think we, his intentions are, I agree with what you think is like that interpretation of his intentions. I'm saying, I think I would give similar advice, but follow it up with, so be polyamorous, get their consent, <laughs> have everyone um, get the buy-in and go forth. But he doesn't, yeah, I mean, also the other thing is Craig clearly doesn't, he's like you said, he's just with Ashley because it's easy. One, well, something else we also know is that Spinner doesn't understand consequences until they happen. So like, he's not thinking <laughs> about the fallout of this situation. Like, he learns lessons after things happen, but he does not think about consequences ahead of time. Very true. Like, I mean, you could just take his metaphors and think about those consequences. A champagne ice cream float sounds disgusting. <laughs> I don't know, maybe like a sorbet? <laughs> when, you, when you want dessert, but also want to be fancy. <laughs> A, a Jenny's ice cream Riesling sorbet with some. Oh God, this sounds like a Pinterest <laughs> recipe. I love that hot ice cream. But also, you know, like ice cream, but hot, very hot. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we call that milk. <laughs> Isn't it also fried ice cream is a thing and it's it delicious. <laughs> It's in so the connection between the two plots, right, is also that at the end, Craig is the one who tells Joey the obviousness of things. There's also something very interesting here 
as dumb as Craig is about how he can read it in another situation, right? That like this perceptiveness, which also suggests that as dumb as he is, and as much as this is about like, like he's a little smarter than he's letting on because that is like, well, obviously, and I think we can see that, right? Obviously he goes to that Hanukkah thing intending to break up with Ashley and then she gives him a great present and he's like, why not just keep on with this right. good thing? And, I mean, like speaking of that present in particular, um, like why are you going to give your grandfather who played with Django Reinhardt, which is one of my favorite minor details of either of these episodes, I was just like, okay, first of all, who? how do you know who the fuck Django Reinhardt is? Um, but also, like, if I mean, I guess because if your grandfather played with him, why the fuck are you giving your high school boyfriend a family heirloom? Like, that guitar is fucking awesome. And then fuck Craig for playing that guitar in his cold-ass garage. Like, just, like... There's so many reasons why Ashley, like, is, like, Craig does not deserve Ashley, but, like, also, like, the gift giving is way uneven um, between the two of them. I agree 100%. I actually wrote in my notes, fuck Craig for playing John Mayer on that guitar. Okay, I didn't know who he was, I didn't know who he was playing, but that is a fair point. I'm trying... I'm trying to imagine the the scenario in which I go to like my mom and be like, so yeah, grandpa's guitar. I want to give that to my high school boyfriend. Like, first of all, girl, no. I bet, I bet her (laughs) estranged dad gave it to her and she gave it to Craig. I bet the parents don't even. Yeah, yeah, in two years, they're going to ask, where the fuck is that guitar? And she's like, they're like, bullshit, get that back. (laughs) For real, though. Well, and also, okay, so if you're going to have, I, what I, one of the things that I think about in TV shows and in movies and things like that is, and even when I've had friends in real life who've got caught in like love triangles and things like that, I'm like, if you're going to lie, you need to lie better. Like, don't lie poorly. That's insulting. And don't hide (laughs) poorly. So if you're going to have these presents for two girls in your garage, you can't take the girls to the garage. Like, what are you doing? That needs to be, they need to be in a space that they have no access to. For real. I think Craig probably has a safety deposit box at the bank since he's secretly rich from his dad. (laughs) Keep it there. He spends so much money on gifts in this episode. He buys them each multiple gifts. They're all like almost $100, right? Meanwhile, in that, right? I just love Spinner's Spender, line. He's like, who knew you could buy all this for a dollar, right? Because he clearly just went to the dollar store so you could buy whatever he buys for Paige, which I would love to have seen that gift giving. <laughs> um, I mean, the there is such a focus on these two relationships in this episode. And so it is a shame we don't see more of the gift giving. I do love the background of the Christmas around the world holiday pageant, right? Marco on his accordion. Oh my God. Liberty speech managing. They remembered that that Hazel's Muslim. I was like, Heather Sinclair's yes! Celtic Solstice dance. <laughs> My mouth is about to say it. And and they had Kendra 
something Chinese New Year. Yeah. Which, is, by the way, is at yeah. least a month or two early, depending on where it fell that year. Yes. <laughs> yes. A little. Well, they're not going to come back next term and let Kendra do her dance when it's supposed to happen. And Toby's really adorable. We see just the end of Toby's like Hanukkah recital thing. I, I mean, there the little touches there. I mean, Marco on that accordion, I put hearts in my notes because it's so adorable and it's just in the background. Right. It's kind of all set up for this like very I thought the scene between Ashley and Manny was like so well staged. Yeah. Where there's all these shots where they're both either looking towards the mirror together or look like and so just there's so much it's very backstage drama, old Hollywood, this like weird moment, which is great. And I also think that obviously this could have been, and in many other shows would have become like a fight immediately between Ash and Manny. But really, like they, for the most part, direct their ire toward Craig, which is where it belongs. I thought that like definitely it was clever the way that they had Manny respond, like respond to Ash to make it clear that. Manny thought that they were broken up. So, I, I mean, like, it, it was pretty clear that, like, neither one of them, it like, should be mad at the other. So. With that in mind, though, I do, I one of the questions that kept coming up for me is we, we don't get a lot of Ashley perspective. I mean, I know this is a Craig episode, so we're seeing Craig interact with the different young women, but we see, we still get to see more of Craig and Manny. We don't get to see a lot of Ashley and Craig and the Ashley and Craig we do get to see is them singing and Ashley's for real looking dead eyed while they're singing. This is before she even knows. So I was like, this is really weird chemistry. But with all that in mind, are we supposed to still kind of root for Craig and Manny? Cause that was the vibe I was getting up until Craig lied to Manny. I mean, I didn't read it that way. And I, and I agree. I think that like the, the focus on Manny, I felt was more about showing Craig's deception and less about, I, I mean, you know, like Manny goes into this knowing that Craig is dating somebody, but I mean, like the first time that they hook up, aren't they broke? Like, aren't, aren't he and Ashley fighting? So like, I mean, like Manny, I, I think is like not as culpable as 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 Craig, but is still somewhat. But I mean, like by this point, she, I don't. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not rooting for for Manny necessarily. I feel bad for both of them, and I think that the reason that we spend more time with Manny is to is to show like that Craig is being a jackass. But like Ashley hasn't gotten much screen time at all this season. Um, and we just like, we have no sort of sense of her interiority at all, like about anything. I do think there's a degree to which like the show is emphasizing that Craig really does at the very least want to be spending time with Manny but he's comfortable with Ashley. So he's not willing to let that go, even though he has like this burgeoning attraction that has really sort of taken over with someone else. 
Yeah, the show, I mean, it just doesn't quite have the language, partly to say, like, there's a sexual chemistry with Manny and there's a companionability with Ashley. Mm-hmm. And I think that's perhaps part of what is suggested by some of the chemistry with Ashley is that Ashley has bought in. I mean, both girls have bought into these fantasies, but Ashley's fantasy is about this kind of forever love. I mean, her 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 conception of romance is a very old-timey, that's why I think she gives him the guitar, we're going to sing a duet, we wrote a song together, I, right? There's that song she wrote for him earlier on, right? And so I think that there's definitely something of that in it, whereas Manny, her whole journey this season is to figure out her sexuality, and the show doesn't quite always say it that way. And so Craig is hot to her, but I feel like obviously part of the hot is this I'm going to call you at the house and say, I miss you. And I mean, part of what she's learning is manipulative makes it sound like she's evil, but there is a sort of emotional sexual chemistry she's tapping into when she calls him and says, I miss you. Right. She doesn't complain that it's cold. Right. Or when she does, she's like, you need to come over here and warm me up. Right. There's just a difference in the way Ashley has already I mean, it's not that obviously Ashley has sexual desires too, but I think that's part of the distance here between these two characters. I felt more bad for Ashley for much of the episode, partially just because also narratively she's in the dark in a way that Manny isn't. And I think I'm just called to be more sympathetic towards that character until then the two women or girls have this conversation And then they're sort of together. And I really agree, Tiffany. I'm glad that it isn't, the show has no time for uh, hating on Manny storyline that I feel like would have happened. There's no cat fight. I think like we see um, not much of Ashley here as we've sort of talked about. But if we think back to how Ashley and Craig's relationship started, right? They started got together largely because they had shared interests because he wasn't trying to make her be someone else like Jimmy was and all that stuff. It wasn't necessarily like this spark of, oh, I'm super attracted to you in a sort of physical way or something like that, which is fine, but it's like a different point of origin for their relationship as opposed to how he feels about Manny at a time when him and Spinner in particular are very much talking about sex a lot and focused on that. Um, So I think it's just like a different kind of relationship entirely from the beginning. He also presumably has severed some ties with Emma. I mean, he, he really doesn't have any, any of the women characters in his life that he's not just trying to fuck. Right. Like he's not really he doesn't have a lot of furtive friendships. He's not even connecting with Marco anymore. So, yeah, you're right. Like, it's just bro city. (laughs) I do think it's unfortunate that Manny is sort of burgeoning sexuality in this season takes a lot of the oxygen away from that Ashley storyline that we saw parts of. Right. The story, the, the episode about whether or not. Ashley and Craig are going to have sex. I think we talked about this when we 
talked about it, right? Is so much about Craig and so little about Ashley and how she feels about, like she's mad and she's upset, but it's framed as about how other people see it and how other, that she's mad other people know. There is never a point, because also Ashley doesn't really get to have a friend conversation as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there's no scene where she says to someone, you know, it's not that I, you know, like I, I'm mad about these reasons. We just see her publicly mad. And then it diverts to the Manny hookup, right? And so I do think the show, it doesn't always know what to do with certain kinds of expressions of sexuality. I also think like, so we've talked about how like Degrassi starts to hit its stride the further on it goes. And I do think at a certain point, maybe they realize that Ashley is a bit irritating. But I think that maybe they pivoted sometimes a little bit too hard in her storylines from like showing her perspective to um, in some of the things that were going on. For sure. I mean, we used to get so much Ashley, right? And I think they can't really find their middle. Um, I mean, I, I, I like Ashley as a character. I also feel like, and maybe this is rude, so I'm sorry. I'm just going to preface this with it. But I feel like the other actors and actresses are getting better at acting. And I feel like the actress that plays Ashley is not. So I think that's also part of it, possibly. I mean, she hasn't been given much to, like, work with. So, I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I hear what you're saying. And it's, it's not convincing, but, like, she also just hasn't had much. Yeah, her character is very reactive at this point, I think is kind of what we've been dancing around, right? She's never, the stories for Ashley never start with her. They always start with someone else encountering her, responding to her, doing something to her, right? Whereas the other actresses, whether we like what they're doing or not, right? Emma's stories don't always start because someone does something to her. Manny decides to express her sexuality. Emma decides to pursue so-and-so or so-and-so, right? Or go after this or have this cause. Ashley is almost like the mom sometimes, right? She's often here. And I think some of it is perhaps the actress's sort of presence, but I also think it's, she's just so, she's the reactive one. She also has mom So often. Thank you. Okay, that's what I was thinking too. I mean, if it looks like a duck, it's like a duck. <laughs> but also, it's, it's so bad. This, it's like it's so bad in this second episode. It's like it just is not good. And I'm like, honey, you were going on stage looking like that. I don't know. Like she looks fine, but like her hair is is a bit of a disaster. Yeah, it just would be nice if she had a storyline that wasn't about boys. I mean, that's the other thing is there's a, she's consumed by them. Speaking of, like, the way people look, though, I'd also like to note that this is the point in the series where the show really decides how it wants Crick to look, which is the leather jackets and and the Newsies hats and stuff like that. Like, it is very much like, okay, this is Craig's style here. I mean, Craig's style is Northern Exposure. Like, that's just his vibe. (laughs) If the boy could grow a goatee, it would be on his fucking face. (laughs) 
I, I have a question. Are we happy? Are like I'm just quite my question is where do we as a group land on the Caitlin Joey pairing? Are we happy about this? Are we what are we so what are we feeling? I think I think like when I watched it as a teenager, I was more enthusiastic about it than I am now. Like I feel like it was just like a very sort of cute scenario and now i care less about it like i'm not mad about it i'm just not deeply invested in it yeah i mean for me i think that like the you know with it sorry uh with the revelation toward the end of the second episode of the fact that like the reason that they weren't together or whatever was because of this fuck up of joey's it like i mean Uh, do we see this as a pattern that like, because like now he has made out with Caitlin before he broke up with Sydney. And I mean, like what kind of, well, first of all, role modeling is this for Craig. And second of all, like, um, I don't, I don't know if I was Caitlin, I would be a little bit, mm, well, I would be a lot cautious uh, and careful about that. Especially like, you know, he seems all in on, on Sid and then just, breaks up with her and then that day goes and and tries to sweep Caitlin off the plane. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wrote in my notes when they're uh, on the tarmac, run Caitlin girl, run girl. You got to get out of there. Fly to Montreal. Um, I think I land on the very much your side, Tiffany of please be cautious, but I'm also as a viewer excited about potential drama that this is going to bring because the adults are kind of boring right now. And I love Caitlin as a character. So I'm here. Agree. Like as a care, I mean, but I think that we are also set up to like Caitlin as a character more than we like Sydney, you know, villain edit, but, um, but also, I mean, even before, like, especially like, I think where I started to like Caitlin was in the episode with Ellie um, you know, she gave mm-hmm. really great advice and was like, I'm going to be a mentor here. And we know that she's been a mentor toward Emma. So like, I mean, as far as like, who isn't like, which adults are involved in the like young people's lives, like earlier in the season, Brendan, you're like, why does this person matter? But like, I think that what they're trying to do here is really tie her into a couple of different of our sort of main young cast lives. And so like, and, and Sydney definitely did not, she doesn't have the time for it apparently. I mean, I was here for Sydney too. I would, I mean, I don't want to cut any of the women out. So if we could cut one of the men out, like let's just get rid of <laughs> Joey and have a Sydney and Caitlin relationship. Um, that's a different show. That's not the show. <laughs> I mean, like, that's like, that's like the L word. You're, no, you're asking no, no, no. for like you're like asking for like a, a Ben Tina situation here, which is not gonna no, 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 no. I'm going I'm going vintage. I'm going odd couple. I'm not I'm going much older than I, I will say so Sonnet, I definitely in the scene with the poinsettia, which is just so strange <laughs> and it makes so little sense. I was like, oh, you two want to fuck, and Joey is just an excuse to talk about that. And that's why you brought this woman of flowers. And that's why you're like, because it's so, I mean, obviously, like, Sydney, Sydney and Caitlin are both, in, like, 
real people, right? You've seen the Caitlin is an adult. We know that Sydney's an adult. And then they swing into these tropes, right? That's the way this episode works is they swing between being real people and being tropes, like real with quotes, right? Like real characters. And in that scene, it's like, okay, so the pretense is you're asking about that guy because you're trying to see if she's with him. So then she's not a threat to you. But is that why you're asking about that guy? I know, he's gay. Well, Sydney should have come in with the poinsettia and Sonnet's like ball cap that says dump him and like an eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> like an eyebrow waggle. <laughs> yes. I mean, no, it's the Reed's hat break up with him. Got to give credit where it's due. But And yeah. surely there's there's mistletoe somewhere in that office if they're that into Christmas. Like, get under the mistletoe, ladies. But I to go back to your question about where we fall, I Sydney is not a character that I'm going to be for, and I don't think that's surprising. Uh, I, I respect her, but... I also think that some, I mean, I, I get what we were saying earlier about this, like, I need this to work and her plan. It does feel a little bit like if there's any analogousness, in some ways she is the Ashley here. She is the person that has a vision and then this guy is here. And so she's allowing him to be inside that vision, but maybe he never really was meeting it to begin with. And there is some of that, which makes me think that Sydney kind of needed to get out a little bit earlier. Whereas Caitlin, I mean, the television logic is they're the couple that's supposed to be together, right? They're the, to use the Pretty Little Liars, right? They're the Emily and Allison, right? Like this is like end game. So I don't know. Well, it all comes back Favorite to things? PLL, first of all. Uh, second of all, we covered several of my good things, which was Heather St. Clair's Celtic Winter Solstice Dance um, and uh, Marco playing accordion. But the other thing that we haven't talked about is I really think that JT is cute in his little Ebenezer Scrooge suit as the MC of the talent show. <laughs> it's very cute. I think my favorite thing is during one of the points where Craig has upset Manny early on and she glares at him in the gym and he breaks his guitar string <laughs> while he's while she's glaring at him. That's some Carrie Underwood, I control all the elements. <laughs> oh my God, yes. And then he drops his guitar dropped in scare quotes. I think he did it on purpose so he could get that fancy guitar. <laughs> That's the true end game. Craig and the Django, Django Reinhardt guitar. Um, so my favorite thing, I was so nervous y'all were going to say it, but no one said it. Um, my favorite thing is Jimmy's pseudo Cockney British accent when he's oh, reading yeah. Dickens's Christmas Carol. I was like... Yeah. This is so wonderful. And I, I don't even remember what the scene is. They're in class. But I, yeah, that was, it's so bad and so good. And also Marco. I wrote in my notes, is this where Drake's interest in accents started? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Man, Drake the rapper could take some lessons from Jimmy, the character, on how to be nice to women. That's um, very true. Very and true. also how to, like, perform masculinity in less toxic ways. 
Uh, my favorite thing that hasn't been said. <laughs> wait, I wait, wait. With- you guys think oh. Drake is going to do a grime thing now? Like, because he's got the accent since he tries on different <laughs> musical genres? I don't care. I blocked him on Spotify a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, that's, that's a lie. But uh, I don't know her anymore. Um <laughs> Oh, my other other <laughs> other favorite thing <laughs> was the the fucking banana scene in the mall with the elf and Caitlin just hijacks the picture. They don't retake the picture. She calls her elf girl. If this were a slightly more adult show, she would have been like, fuck you, elf girl, but she essentially does that. She just kind of Kristen wigs into the scene and Kristen <laughs> wigs out of the scene. She just knows this- she's there. She's just like, I parachuted into this mall. I found you. And this is like, that, that part is very like rom-com. Oh my God, yeah. Because that part is like, you can you can see the aggrieved elf there just trying to do their job. Elf girl is my hero. <laughs> also the little boy who in line watches her go and has the face of every child who's ever watched an adult break the rules. And he's like, fuck you, lady. I was here next. And then poor little Jack. They didn't have to pay for a baby for that scene because then they could just have her cover over it. <laughs> right, because like the in the picture that they receive, like and Spike's like like dirty glare at Caitlin when she sees that like you can't even see Jack in the picture that they get. It's very good. Oh, predictions. <laughs> I mean, I would more Caitlin. I think obviously, since as we've been saying, she's now in. She's in. Just laid the groundwork. Uh, my hope is more liberty. I always want more liberty. No, like they get, keep giving us hints of, of liberty, and she's being very liberty, and I love it. Um, my prediction is more wigs for Snake. Oh my God, I'm so glad he, I forgot about that. Um, why don't our students give us wigs? I don't know. But I mean, and I love that Jimmy said, like, we were going to get you a real one, but they're very expensive. Ruth. Which is true. But like, also. This is like the Craigslist, Craigslist toupee. I mean, this is pre-Amazon. Like, I was listening to Latrice Royale the other day on uh, Nicole Byers podcast. And she was like, Remember when people had to do drag without Amazon? And that that snake wig, it's pre-Amazon. When I was in ninth grade, my dad and my stepmom got married and I stole a toupee off a mannequin at the bridal store and wore it to class <laughs> one day. And one of my friends was like, when I finally like snatched the wig off, they're like, oh, thank God, it was awful. <laughs> Wait, how does the wedding fit into the story, Tiffany? We were at the bridal. We were at like a tux shop, um, and oh. like there was a mannequin there, and I took the two, like I took the wig, the is a men's wig, off the mannequin, and I wore it to school. I had long hair at the time, and I wore it to school, and people thought oh, my hair okay. was like it's just a bad wig, people. 
I thought this was a pen 15 type story where your parent, you were upset about things at home. So then you did a new look possibly. No, I would shave my hair three years later, but that's a different story. (laughs) I mean, I guess my last prediction would be, hopefully we don't have to deal with Craig for a while. I'm kind of a girl can dream. Because uh, there's also, I mean, he's worked his way through these women. That sounds awful, but you know what I mean. And I just, I want better for them. Yeah. I know that it gets worse just because the internet, I haven't looked at it, but I know it gets worse, but I can pray. <laughs> also, maybe Gavin's chickens can come home to roost. His bad advice will finally affect his life. <laughs> I don't know why I called Spinner Gavin, by the way. Like, I'm his teacher. Miss Kwan. I'm so... I would be his teacher. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, lots to look forward to. And if any of it happens, we'll talk about it in the future. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Holidays. Okay. Okay. Goodbye, y'all. That's nope. Bye. That's enough. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at that bleeping pod and on Facebook and Instagram at that bleeping podcast. Listen and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. Please rate and review us, share us on your social media, and help other fellow Degrassi nerds find our shenanigans. Shout out to Chris Robley for the use of his song Anonymous from his fifth solo album, The Great Believer, as our theme music. Learn more about Chris and his music at chrisrobley, that's R-O-B-L-E-Y dot com, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter at chrisrobley. As always, thanks for listening and listen for our next episode in two weeks.